0: He had to be there for the, the grand moment when oh. the last shovel full would be dug and the river would be manipulated Blowing. and start racing. Yeah, he, he was there. What i happened? I'm certain of it. Uh, nothing. Nothing happened. Um, not a trickle of water moved from one river to the other. Not, not a drop.
1: You heard that there. That is local historian and author Aaron Hellman talking about the exact moment when the father of South Bend, Alexis Coquillard, realized that his whole net worth was wiped away by a ditch that wouldn't hold water. More of that later, but first, thank you for listening to another episode of Round the Bend Now and Then. My name is Matt Emery, and I'm a local history nerd. My main mission in this podcast, as well as other Round the Bend material, is to create engaging content that shares how intertwined the South Bend and Mishawaka area's past is to our present. I interview local leaders, business owners, and community members to help tell their stories, because their stories help tell the story of South Bend and Mishawaka. Before we get to the interview, I just have a few simple favors. One is to be sure that you hit the download, like, or subscribe button on whatever podcast app that you listen to us on. Another favor is to follow us on social media, at Pod or at Bend 574 on Twitter, Bend now and then on Facebook, and now on YouTube, where I'm starting to dabble in some visual content as well. I have a few new videos that include some cool historical pictures, maps, newspaper articles, and narration by yours truly. All of those links are in the show notes as well. My last favor is to please just pass on the good word about the content. Now, let's dive into another interview that helps tell the story of South Bend and Mishawaka. The first time I went to the historic South Bend City Cemetery off of West Colfax Street and walked around, I saw a bridge that looked completely out of place and literally crosses over nothing. It crosses no stream, creek, road, nothing. Just a very old stone arch bridge. I thought about how strange that was, but it's in an extremely old cemetery, so I figured there was some purpose to it. A while after my cemetery visit, The South Bend Tribune published an article that actually explained the reasoning behind that out of place bridge in the city cemetery. Turns out, it's just as old as the cemetery, built in the 1830s, and there were dozens more similar bridges built on a four mile stretch of land spanning from the St. Joe River near Memorial Hospital and Leaper Park all the way to the far west side of South Bend near Sample and Mayflower intersection. You see, this bridge in the city cemetery and those other similar bridges that were tore down 150 plus years ago were built to serve a purpose. They were built to get people from one side of a waterway to the other. This waterway was to be called the Kankakee Mill Race. This mill race was meant to connect the St. Joseph River to the Kankakee River. The water from the mill race was meant to provide hydroelectric energy to the brand new city and surrounding areas. The Kankakee Mill Race was built by one of South Bend's founding fathers, the very respected businessman and trader, Alexis Coquillard. It was a surefire way for him and his many investors to harness the energy of the newly built waterway and sell it to industrial buildings and mills that would be built along the canal. The four-mile canal was dug out and built in the late 1830s. It started near nowadays Memorial Hospital in Leaper Park, right near the current Marion Street and Riverside Street intersection, and the canal stretched four miles west towards the Kankakee River. And it was a big deal. Advertisements in the newspaper boasted about how much power the waterway would bring to the area. Some mills were even built alongside the yet-to-have-water Kankakee mill Race. Now, you all might be wondering, what in the world am I talking about? There is no canal running from the St. Joe River to the west side of South Bend. You see, Alexis Kukwiler laid it all on the line. $100,000 he had invested in the project. That is $3.5 million today. He had his workers dig out a four-mile waterway only to find out that he had invested all of that money to dig a ditch because this ditch could never and would never hold water. In this episode, you'll learn all about what has become known as Coquillard's Folly. I meet once again with local historian and author Aaron Hellman in one of his recent local history books, Ride the Jackrabbit, and more of the people, places, and events that make Michiana the most fascinating place in the Midwest, he wrote a chapter called The Dry Ditch in South Bend's Bridge to Nowhere about Coquillard's folly. We first talk about Alexis Coquillard himself, and then we dive into this wild story from South Bend's past. And before we get into the interview... I highly encourage anyone who is interested in our local history to check out his books. He's written a couple of them with stories from our local history. His first one, The Incomplete History of St. Joseph County, and the one I mentioned above, Ride the Jackrabbit, and more of the people, places, and events that make Michiana the most fascinating place in the Midwest. As I mentioned in the previous episode that he was on, his writing style is informative, engaging, and definitely has a sense of humor. He also has a new children's book coming out as well, On the Southernmost Bend, A Beginning History of South Bend. The trailer for that book shows some of the examples of the text and illustrations, and I must say it looks awesome. I put the link to his website in the show notes, so be sure to support Aaron and his books. Now, here is my interview with Aaron Hellman, and I hope that you learn all about That Dry Ditch and the Bridge to Nowhere. This is so intriguing. The the um your your chapter is called The Dry Ditch and South Bend's Bridge to Nowhere. And it is it's just so intriguing to me um cuz I had been to how, how did did all work out? I'm a history nerd. So I'd go like you, you ride your bikes to places I'll drive and get out and walk and I've done the city cemetery so many times because it is so historic in there. I mean so many names that you recognize from our city are buried there like Yeah. Like, oh, that street's named after him. Oh, this building is named after him. But then there's just there's this weird bridge in the middle of there that's literally a bridge over land. It's a bridge to nowhere. Yeah, I was kind of curious about that. But then a newspaper article, it came out a few years after I saw that. And it kind of blew my mind that, holy moly, they're going to build this big, Coquiller this, was going to build this big canal in the middle of our city. And that's remnants of it. And it's from 1830s. I mean, that is crazy long time ago. Before we get started, let's talk about Alexis Coquillard himself. Um, and he meant a lot to South Bend, to say the least. Um, we don't need to dive too deep into into everything. But man, talk to me about who Alexis Coquillard was and, and why he meant so much to South
0: Bend. So first, I'll tell you why Alexis Coquillard meant so much to me. Oh, let's go. Uh, I went to Coquillard Elementary School. Nice. Um, yes. And I just thought my school had a cool name. I thought Uh Coquillard was fun to say. Even when I was in kindergarten, Coquillard was fun to say. Uh Uh, We were the Coquillard Comets. And Uh we learned a little bit about him in in elementary school Mm -hmm. as part of local history. And because our school was named after him. Yeah, And we learned about him as the father of South Bend. Okay. Um, It's pretty accurate. Yeah. Um, He, more than anyone else, is the guy who took south bend and turned it into an actual real city Mm -hmm. become where we live now so he was a uh he was as american as they came all right at that time um Uh i think he was like fifth generation american just had a a french name wow
1: born in the late 1700s too that's
0: yeah yeah so his his family had been you know here long since the beginning long long before the revolution Uh uh-huh and he was a trader. Okay. And he came here um, and set up a trading post essentially. Okay. And the trading post he set up was um, at the uh, Riverview Cemetery, um, was the first trading post he set portage up. Portage Road up there in that area? Yeah, okay. Portage Road. Because uh-huh. um, when people would uh, hunt for furs uh-huh. or go down south and then they would take it back to Canada, they would come through that portage, every oh, single one of them. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so, uh, his decision to set up a, a trading post in South Bend is uh-huh. not any more prescient than setting up a gas station or a Starbucks at a busy intersection. I got right? you. He capitalized yeah. off of the traffic. That's where people were. And he even like wrote about like why he set it up there. And then the, and the okay. I- idea was simple. Like It's easy to float things on a canoe. Okay. If you get to, to his trading post, mm-hmm. you have to carry your stuff four miles to get on the Kankakee River. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. if you have more stuff than you want to carry, you can sell it to him. And okay. he'll, for whatever mm. he'll pay you. you. I got you. If you're you almost stuck. Yeah. If you've got more than SOL. you can carry, you don't have a choice. You don't have a choice. Uh, meanwhile, you're not anybody. if you're coming back the other way empty handed, okay. this is your last chance. So you're gonna buy stuff from him. Wow! Before you get on your boat and take it back, so that's dude was entrepreneurial off the bat. Huh? As American as yeah. they came.
1: <laughs> that's right, though, isn't it?
0: Yep, absolutely. <laughs> um, and so he sets that up. Uh, ends up being really a founder of the town. Is instrumental in getting South Bend to be the county seat of uh, St. Joseph okay. County. Okay. Okay. Um, has lots of ventures, mm-hmm. um, business ventures, and and. The Kankakee mill race is, is his largest single business venture. Woo,
1: and we'll we'll learn how that ended up. <laughs> yeah. Um, you had written by 1835, he realized, though, that his fur trading ventures were de- decreasing a bit. Uh, Native Americans that he was doing business with, I mean, unfortunately, God, they might have you know, in the next few years been forcibly removed. Trains were starting to um, get in the picture, rendering rivers less needed. So in the 1830s, um, you had written that, um, you know, he's in his 30s and he had to kind of find some big and new and something to to make more money. Before we get into that, could you imagine being in your 30s in the 1830s and you couldn't just go DoorDash or Uber? Mm -hmm. I mean, seriously, think of that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, he had to start a new business. So essentially, his intersection was becoming a lot less busy. Right. Ah, uh, yes. I liken it a too, way to it. Uh, when Kokomo, when they built the bypass around yes. Kokomo yes. and lots of gas stations inside of that uh-huh. just went under. Yes. Because um, you didn't go past it anymore. So that's what was happening for Quillard. He needed a new business venture. A new gig. Uh, and, and he thought big, huh? He thought real big. <laughs> so uh, he looked at the Kankakee River, which uh-huh. flowed through a place um, near the uh, near the corner of uh, mayflower and sample that's what i was going to
1: ask because we hear all about the kankakee marsh kankakee river I, 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 and it's since been drained and completely done yeah. so that that's about where the kankakee river ended or started
0: no that's that was um it's it started you know a little further um east of there but okay. the way that it bent the the portage route ran between I um see. Pinhook Park. Okay. At at the Pinhook Yeah. To the nearest place into the Kankakee, which was at um, Mayflower and Sam. I see 711 there. Now. I see. And there's no river. It's been drained completely. and completely rerouted. Um so he thought that if he could reroute uh-huh. the Kankakee River through South Bend, mm-hmm. right? He would have mm-hmm. a, a a steady flow of water uh-huh. that he could exploit for um, mills and yeah. just water power everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, he put out ads in the paper looking for people who wanted to invest yeah. in his venture. He put ads in the paper for people who wanted to build mills and businesses along the way. Along and capitalize the way. off that. Yeah, um, Lots of land he wanted to sell. Yeah, basically, um, if he was successful, um, downtown South Bend would have moved from where it is now up to to be near this race. Think of that. Think
1: of how different the layout of our city would be if this venture would have been successful. We're talking about a four mile long waterway that definitely would have changed the way that the young city was developed. Wow. That's crazy. That's nuts. He literally wanted to redirect the flow of the Kankakee for yeah. what, the hydraulic energy and, and all that stuff. I mean, that is just that's crazy, but he wasn't the first to propose
0: it. He was not the first to propose. But he was the it. first to just dive in and do it. Yeah. So it it had been talked about as an idea, uh-huh. um, the same way that like scientists can talk about like what it would take yeah. to go to Mars, right? Like right. just because we can think of something doesn't right. necessarily mean it can be done. And I I, I can't imagine going back to the eighteen hundreds with the tools that you had available oh, to you then and being oh, like let's redirect a the river. flow of a river oh. with these shovels. <laughs> I, that, that's what um,
1: uh, I was going to talk about. I mean it was quite crude. I mean there was no there was no giant bulldozers or anything. All hand right for the most part?
0: For the most part a hand and then some donkeys yeah, and stuff. So animals. there was some animal power Um, but like the, the path that he carved out, Mm -hmm. the path that made the most sense was the shortest path, obviously, right? That's going to be the most economically feasible. Right. Um, but that went to the woods. So even if you had, um, giant equipment, you can't get to the place without raising a forest. So they took shovels, they took donkeys and horses when they could a lot of times it was too muddy the donkeys and the horses wouldn't yeah. work so uh-huh. it was just people looking to make money breaking rocks digging dirt <laughs> basically trying to dig a new riverbed through South Bend and they started at the St. Joe River. Am I correct? They started at the St. Joe River. Main,
1: where uh, Leaper Park area is that?
0: Yeah, Marion Street, so um, a, little, a little a little south, south of, of Leaper, Leaper Park, um, not too much though. And, and they, they
1: started digging right there and dug west.
0: Yeah, they started digging there and they dug backwards. Yeah, um, because that actually does make the most sense. If you start digging from the river, you, you, the, rivers, yes. the water's going to follow you. Absolutely. It's going to make everything a mess. So Absolutely. they start digging from there. Um, and then they they started uh, digging around Beck's Lake as well. huh. Um, and they started building mills. Um, even pre, yeah, before
1: but, water was rushing. Before the water was the rushing.
0: Um, that's how sure they were this was going to work. Yeah. He had run a an advertisement in the in the paper that said it was guaranteed to be the, the greatest source of hydroelectric power west of Rochester, New York. Uh huh. That's what I'm looking at. Literally, I wrote that down. Yeah. It's unequal power. He yeah. said. Yeah. Oh, That's a weird God. benchmark. Yes. You know? <laughs> west of
1: Rochester, New York.
0: But that meant something to people, and must they have. they jumped in.
1: Yeah. That's just crazy, and and um, and like you said, there were ads along the Kankakee Mill Race. I mean, before it was built, and it's just like you said, they they were confident
0: it was going to work, absolutely confident. That is nuts.
1: So his vision and ended up coming through with it, not all the way, but supposed to build basically a ditch through the city. Talk to me about uh,
0: somewhat just the proposed route. Whereabouts are we talking? So, um, from Marion Street, um, you're basically cutting, uh, due west, Mm -hmm. um, through, uh, downtown, you know, um, the hospitals there (laughs) now, um, and then at that time
1: it was just wooded. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then through, um, what is now the um, near Northwest neighborhood? Absolutely. It's um, yes. a uh, Bex Lake over kind of by LaSalle High yep. School, Bendix area. Mm-hmm. And then there was a turn there. Um, and then from there, uh, if you can imagine, it's like south by southwest uh-huh. to Mayflower and Sample. I got you. Uh, literally a four
1: mile ditch, a four mile canal through the city of South Bend. And we talked about how crude it was to build that ditch. Um, But the canal actually got built, all the way from Saint Joe River to Bex Lake,
0: to Bex Lake, yeah, and and from Bex Lake to um, oh, so they built it from Bex Lake to the the whole thing got built, the entire ditch got built.
1: That is nuts, and um, I did an episode on Bex Lake, the lake. Um, oh, I learned it was one of my favorite episodes because. The whole history of that lake is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And then tie in the fact that there's a damn neighborhood there now. It's just the whole story is unbelievable. And I interviewed Lynn Coleman. He was down here. In yeah, Bay. yeah. To, you, if you listen to any of these episodes, that one is wonderful. I always talk about how intertwined we all are in regards to our local history. Like I said there, if you haven't listened to the episode titled The Lake, I highly encourage you to do so. That whole area is steeped with local history because here Aaron and I are talking about the beautiful area of Becks Lake in this episode in the 1830s. And then a hundred plus years later, local leader Lynn Coleman shared his memories of when the area was a dump and the neighborhood that was built right next to it was one of the few in South Bend that African-Americans could purchase homes at. And shout out to Lynn Coleman for passionately sharing his memories of growing up there. Again, shameless plug, go listen to that episode. Beck's Lake, back before 1920s, before they tried to put sewers underneath there, yeah. it was a beautiful, beautiful watershed area. Yeah. And when I started reading in the book about Beck's Lake, I, I'm i thinking, in my head, I'm thinking, I know where this is going to go. Um. When they drained the original Beck's Lake, they said it was the size of Hudson Lake. I've read in the newspaper. Now it's a drainage ditch. It's really just a retention pile. Yeah. But when they originally, they wanted to put sewers underneath there, they, they, about a year or so into doing it, they had to scrap the whole project because the, everything was sinking down into the marshland. The land was not suitable to hold any pipes. It was not suitable for anything like that. So, when I read that they had to go through the Bex Lake area, I'm thinking, okay, this is it's not going to be easy, right? Not at all. <laughs> so they built this whole thing, and you you had to imagine, like you wrote, that Coquillard is
0: there at the time or when they yeah. had to like try to like the final shovel. I have no evidence for it, but, but I just you've got to imagine. Yeah, he had to be there for the the grand moment when the oh. last shovelful would be dug. And the river would oh, be manipulated and blowing. start racing. yeah, he, he was there. What I have certain of it. Uh, nothing. <laughs> nothing happened. Um, not a trickle of water moved from one river to the other. Not not a drop. Um, and it's because the the land around Bex Lake was super, super sandy, uh, super uh-huh. marshy. But it's also um, a watershed. Um, it's a continental divide. If you're uh, driving on 31 south of town, there's a sign that yeah. shows you it's the continental divide, um, which means that all the water that falls south of that line oh. eventually goes to the Mississippi River. Okay. And um, down into the Gulf. And everything north of that line vice versa, goes mm-hmm. into the St. Joe and winds up in the Great Lakes. Wow. Yeah. And Coquiller wouldn't have known that at that time. No, he did not know that. Wow. What I I just can't imagine his what was going through his head. Well, he realized pretty quickly he was about to be broke. Yeah. Because he mortgaged Um, everything. He mortgaged everything. He um took loans out against his own property. Yeah. He persuaded some of his friends to to do it too. And uh, mm. they tried a few more things um, to try to force the water through. So he threw a little bit more money at it. But uh, I think he knew in his heart at that point it was done. It was done. He just felt like he had to try. God, it,
1: it uh, I just, y- you, you, well, you know how hard it is when you work on something, even trying to, I mean, change a stupid pipe on your, sink and you spend hours and hours you're fixing it you know and then you turn the water on and water still leaks i couldn't imagine investing my whole life savings in mm-hmm. inviting my buddies to invest in that selling you know selling plots of land and then for that to ha- i just couldn't imagine
0: yeah it was uh this is life devastating i mean yeah i mean just horrifying for himself for um dozens of people who'd invested yeah for people who'd built people had built that's insane Flour mills sawmills insane like they were ready to go they just needed the water and then he had to go back and say no water no water no water it's not it's not happening
1: that that just is that's just nuts man that is truly nuts um you mentioned that afterwards goodquiller did try a few different ventures here and there and so did he did he um and then he, we mentioned earlier, he kind
0: of he passed away younger, right? Yeah. So, uh, he, uh, his race building days were not quite behind him. They went on to, to work to build the East race, uh-huh. uh, which is a race that worked. Yep. He put a flour mill there. Okay. Um, did some flour making milling, uh-huh. milled some flour and made, made a living for himself that uh-huh. way. Uh, but there was a fire at yeah. his flour mill. And he was on like an upstairs portion of it where mm-hmm. it had burned, so this is a bad idea. And yeah, the uh, plank gave way, fell, and hit his head, and, and he died. Ugh. Um, and uh, obviously now there's you know there's a park, there's a school. Yeah, um, but at the time, like the flour mill never reopened because of the fire damage okay. and, and him not being there to work on yep. it. So at that point, the only thing that was really left of his legacy was the ditch, this empty ditch.
1: I and when I was reading, when I was reading the chapter. I, I was in my head. I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, the ditch was probably filled in, you know, soon after or something. But even in the 1880s, 50 years later, you know, damn near 50 years later. This dry ditch was still there, and you found articles that discussed uh, an accumulation of trash mm-hmm. in the ditch um, and, and everything like that. So, talk to me about that.
0: Yeah. So, so now there's That's a crazy. ditch running through the city. That's right. Nuts. 50 and, years uh, later, 40 years later. Yeah. And so, um, <laughs> and the, the city's much more developed. If the ditch did anything, it, it drained rainwater into the river. Yeah. So, it may have been helpful uh, for yeah. that, except it is like a big eyesore to have a ditch through your city. Um <laughs> But then people start throwing trash in the ditch uh-huh. because I guess that's just what you do. Right. And so as, as trash gets into the ditch, it forms dams in the ditch. Oh, and man. as the rainwater piles up against this trash, it, it starts flooding people's yards. Yeah. And so one of the things I found was someone suing the city essentially to say, you got to fix this ditch. Every time it rains, it comes down to this pile of trash right. that someone threw in the ditch and my yard floods, my house right. floods. That is crazy. So it was a, it was a pain in the butt for Coquillard. But uh-huh. for the next 50, 60, 70 years, like for the it, city, it was, it was an eyesore uh-huh. and an annoyance and a, a hazard. Yeah,
1: God, I'd love to see pictures of it. I, I just there obviously aren't any, but I would love to see just, just to help me imagine this, you know? Because at first it would have had to been in the woods, but man, by the 1880s, s, yeah, there's some development and. We talk about development, and the main thing about this podcast is how intertwined our past is to our present, right? The land that was developed, the land right now that has some of our most cherished old homes on West Washington Street, the History Museum, the Home is there, the the Tippy Canoe Place, Alexis Coquillard owned that land. Yeah,
0: that was all the land that he owned. He owned, had, he owned and, and then he got foreclosed on. He got, that was what he put down as collateral uh-huh. when he borrowed money to build the race. So he lost it all. Yeah. And even if you look at the land deeds today for those properties uh-huh. on, on West Washington Street, they're listed as uh, bank outlots like, yeah. Because the, the bank took them and then resold them. That is
1: nuts. Because when I was... um <laughs> When... Because when I was researching, I did an episode on the block, the 1200 block of West Washington Street. And when you look in the old newspapers, when you keyword search West Washington or something, you get a lot of advertisements, a lot of just jargon in the newspaper, like public thing. And they talked about bank outlaw, like back, back in the day. And so that's crazy. It's from Alexis Coquillard. Yeah. Because he yeah.
0: owned that land. He owned all of it. Um, that was all of his land. And now all the houses that have like the names of famous people uh, in South Bend's history are, are out there.
1: Yeah. Uh Uh-huh.
0: And none of them have his name on it. That's true. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Huh. Then we, you know, we talk about how our past is intertwined. you know, with our, with our present right now, think of an alternative world. If the race would have worked. Okay. Let's say, man, they did that last shovel water rush down there in the 1830s. Everything's built up, you know, um, i'd imagine by 1900 it would have been obsolete and then the city still would have been stuck with an eyesore just like the original east race was just with the toxic eyesore for years you know
0: yeah I, I mean i don't know uh they would have built up along it like i said yeah. downtown would have moved that's crazy downtown yeah. would have moved to be on this canal uh-huh. and uh you know, maybe we'd have a, a canal district yeah. like like Indianapolis has uh-huh. or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but they got none of that. No, they got a ditch. <laughs> just
1: a ditch. That's funny. All right. Anything else you think to,
0: to add to it, or I think people ought to go see the bridge. It's, I think it, so. It's in the city cemetery. Yes. Uh, about two thirds of the way back. Uh, uh-huh. The city cemetery, like you said, is is worth a tour yes. all its own just to look at the tombstones and mm-hmm. see the names. Yep. Uh, but the. The bridge in yeah. the cemetery is the only thing left. So at, at all, at all. So obviously the ditch has at last been filled in. Yes. Um, and the only remaining relic of Coquillard's folly, the uh-huh. Kankakee Mill Race, is this one bridge uh-huh. in the city cemetery that connects nothing to nowhere and exists for no reason. No. Except to remind us of the greatest failure of our city's greatest father. That's awesome.
1: Well, that's not awesome he failed, but the, <laughs> but the whole story, everything, it's just so intriguing. So yeah, It's great they saved it for <laughs> us. <laughs> All right. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Hey, my pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you once again for listening to another episode of Round the Bend Now and Then. An extra special thanks to Aaron Hellman for once again joining us and sharing another piece of our local history. Again, folks, check out his website, AaronHellman.com, and purchase his books. You will not be disappointed. I also have his website in the show notes. Be sure to follow Round the Bend now and then on all of our socials and download, like, or subscribe on whatever podcast app you listen to us on. Please join us again next time as we learn more about South Bend and Mishawakas now and then.